0: Hey fam, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I want to do things a little bit differently. Right now, we are joined by a Black disabled writer and founder of Everywhere Accessible, Tinu. For the most part, I'm gonna let her hold the mic. I am here to be a platform and a beacon of support, but I'm also here to let those of the community have their own voices heard. So before we begin, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, how is this is going to work, I'm going to throw out a topic and I'm going to let you speak and then with a few questions I'll have at the end. And I want to go ahead and just start off with thinking about and talking about attitudes surrounding those with disabilities.
1: Okay, that sounds good to me. Um people believe that they love disabled people, you know. For example, people will police our our parking spots, and say, in and, and try to keep people from going into our stalls. But then they forget about how there's a lot of us who have invisible disabilities. So you never know when you look at people if they're disabled or not. And that stems from the fact that we have these concepts in our I, in our minds of who disabled people are. We have the idea that it's people with intellectual disabilities or people who are in wheelchairs. And that's partly because of the media. They don't really show the range of people who have disabilities. And a prime example of that is because we're not called what we wanna be called. We're not addressed the way we want to be addressed. The scholars will tell you, call them people with disabilities or call them people with special needs. We don't like that. We like to be called disabled people because the, being disabled is not a bad thing and it's not a bad word, but people will say, oh, well, you know, you wanna recognize their humanity first. Well, what's not human about having a disability? It's just like, it's just illness or sickness or the condition, It's not a bad thing, but we have ranges of people who have everything from fibromyalgia or diabetes or cancers, all the way to people who have um. Amputations, or were born without limbs. Like I have a friend whose daughter is uh, Jordan Reeves. She runs an organization called Born Just Right, and she made these wonderful attachments that she puts on her arm. That are, you know, um, I forget what they're called. Just um, I forget what they're called, but they have a specific name for the the um, the assistive devices that you put on your arm if you're an amputee. And she made them fun. Like she has one that strips out glitter. And you know, she has fun with these kinds of things, but people don't think about those, those um items. They don't think about people like her, and they don't really make the world fun or accessible for us. So I mean, people think they love us, but then they do things to hurt us. And then when we complain about them. <laughs> get angry so it's it's a fun new world when you haven't been spending your whole life admitting that you that you have disabilities because you don't want to be treated the way that people treat disabled people which is what my experience is Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely so what about ableism
1: well ableism is a little bit complicated so just stay with me for a minute you've probably heard on social media, the obvious side of ableism, which is, of course, discrimination against people who do not have the what is thought of as normal set of physical abilities that people have. But it also has to do with mental abilities and capabilities and conditions such as depression. And my favorite definition of ableism comes from this visionary person, Dalila Khalila Lewis. And to paraphrase them, they define it as a system which values people and their minds and their bodies based on a false idea of normalcy around what they can produce, and it's rooted in anti-Blackness. It's intimately tied to racism and capitalism because a lot of this, this idea of devaluing people based on whether or not they can, they can produce comes from the time of enslavement, because of course you're worthless if you can't produce as much, especially as a person who is enslaved. So that, that those concepts are intimately tied together. People don't really realize that until they go back and examine the roots of capitalism. Our value is inherited as is humans, though. If you were born, you know, there's a certain amount of of value that you have, of respect that you should have for other people who are also born who are here. It, you, it's not something that you should have to earn. It's you were born, so you have a certain amount of of value. And people who know me from that diaper don tweet that went viral, that was my point that people shamed the former 45th president of the United States, if you want to call him a president, because you know he he supposedly had to wear um, incontinent aids. But so did I when I had cancer. So here's this guy that he's never gonna read your tweet. He's just gonna see that that thing was trending. But every one of those tweets, those hundreds and hundreds of pr- tweets that I read made me feel ashamed of the time when I had cancer and I had to wear, you know, poise pads and diapers. Like, why do I have to, you know, see all of those horrible things Said about people who wear incontinence AIDS just because you're mad at that guy. Like, why not be mad about him, about all the evil things that he's done? People say, oh, well, he deserved it. Do I deserve it, though? You know, so ableism can be a really complex kind of um, issue. It's not just about um, people mistreating disabled people. You don't even have to be disabled to um, suffer from ableism. So if you have time, Salila uh, Lewis is on uh, on Twitter and Lewis.com. brilliant, brilliant person who has just so much study. There's, they have a really good lecture, The Longmore lecture that he did about two years ago that's on um, YouTube and on their website. And um, I have that information that I refer to often also on my Twitter page. So if you can't find it, you can just come ask me. I'm on at team, which is C-I-N-U.
0: Gotcha. I'm glad you pointed out that link between capitalism and racism and ableism mm-hmm. So many of the isms are all tied to capitalism and racism. And I don't think people realize that. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. And I'm also glad that you pointed out the issue with 45. Like, I, like many, do not like him, but I'm glad that you spoke out about how just even picking at him in relations to what he had to wear, like how that's ableism. And we all think it's fun and jokes because it's him. We're not thinking, like you said, about other people out there who, you know, do have to do this, you know. So I'm glad you spoke on that. So let's talk
1: about jobs in the workplace now. Jobs in the workplace. Well, this takes us back to capitalism again, because capitalism puts capital, capital above people because that's what the philosophy is the most important thing is can this make money and what do we have to cut and get rid of in order to make the most amount of capital so it doesn't give a company the chance to find out if investing in a person might be worth um selling out extra money to in, to accommodate them in order to access maybe the unique skill set that they might have from the live experiences that they go through, from having more obstacles in their life. It just wants to keep us thing up front, which is, you know, what we want at, at work. When we, when we want to go to work, we have to think about, we look at the job listings. Some people have to look at the job listings and say, okay, I don't have a college degree. We look at the job list, listings and say, okay, I can't lift 15 pounds. I can't stand up i can't lift things and then you get the you know other people get the job and they you find out none of those things were required just like a college degree wasn't required they just don't want you in the job it's just another way for them to keep you from getting the job personally my friends know that i've previously done well writing in full time in my previous um profession i was in marketing and it got to a point where i didn't query people came to me and I wrote for publications web.com search engine guide search engine journal like people came to me and so they thought okay now that you have to close these companies when you have cancer and everything now that you're recovering and getting back on your feet why don't you just write again well how do I meet a deadline when I don't know how many days of the week that I'm going to be well and strong how do i talk to a client about something when i don't know what time i'm going to wake up and how well i'm going to feel and how what part of my body is going to be functional or back in the early days whether or not i'm going to be able to speak you know some there's people with for example ME who they don't know if they'll be able to talk that day and it's just very difficult to have all of these abilities, but for employers not have, employers not to have the flexibility to wanna to work with you. And then you may be able to get away with some things freelancing, but not being able to be consistent, it's really difficult to keep a bunch of clients. And um, you typically will have to rely on something that has more passive income, like creating classes or making eBooks it's really really hard for us to get into the workplace and then make an equal an equal salary some people will actually take other jobs that will pay us actually less than minimum wage it's still legal for people to do that to the same people
0: mhm Yeah, that was something that I recently heard that with the $15 proposed raising of minimum wage that Joe Biden is doing, Mm -hmm. they wanted to be inclusive of disabled people for those very reasons that you listed. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well.
1: Yeah, that's one of the places where they're actually going to try to be inclusive of Mm -hmm. us. And it's one of the better ways that we're being visible with this particular incoming administration. You know, we have the ADA, but it's not really, it's not like there's a force out there enforcing all of the laws that are on the books.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, absolutely. So now thinking about accessibility, just take a moment to speak on it or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. It's mostly
1: lack thereof because we have a different idea of accessibility than the mm-hmm. world. Does. There's just one step is accessible to most of the the world. It's not to us. If I'm in a chair that day, I don't use a wheelchair that often, even though I'm supposed to, I just can't afford it, which is another misconception they'll just give you a free wheelchair. If I'm in a chair that day, I don't necessarily have a team of people to carry my wheelchair above that one step. It means I can't get into the establishment. Then people will say, well, we don't need to be accessible because We don't get a lot of people who need to come in here that are in wheelchairs or use canes. No, they can't. You don't get them because they can't get in. (laughs) That's backwards. And you know, it becomes a problem when you're trying to look for a job. You get there and you can't get in the building, or you get there and like you gotta wait for the lady with the elevator key you want to go to lunch with your friends and you get there. And there's, you know, especially when I used to live in DC, there's two flights of stairs to get to the place where you're supposed to eat. You know, you'd be tired by the time it's time to just sit down. It's, it's really, they think that they're building this world that's better and it's, it's not necessarily, they build these mechanical wheelchairs that can climb stairs. Well, great, except they look like they're gonna tip backwards and kill us. <laughs> or they could have just built a ramp. They could they're way too expensive. Maybe just build a portable ramp that everybody can put in their car and use, or that every business can put in, you know, in their lobby to help us over that one step. Whoever actually figures out how to do that is gonna be a billionaire. And I keep suggesting it because I'm not in a position to actually have that done. (laughs) I'm hoping somebody will steal this idea and actually do it. Make just a little mechanical ramp that gets us over that one step and make the, the world accessible to us again. Because it's not the disabilities and the problems. Like I do have, like, believe me, it's a pain in the butt to have all these, especially multiple disabilities, which most people have more than one. But... You know, you get to a point where you 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 might get stabilized. You might not get cured, but you're stable, and you get into a routine, and you figure out how to deal with those problems while you're in your house. But then when you go out of your house, it's a whole new complicated thing, and it becomes very frustrating trying to live in that world. We don't need that extra burden of the whole world of not being able not being able to access the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I just, like I listen, and it's like I can't even imagine, you know, but I'm glad that you're here and speaking on it because that's what I want for the audience to hear it, to see how things are and just to really think about it. So let's shift gears a little bit. I want us to think about politics and recent bills. We just discussed how the 15 minimum wage will include disabled people. Well, let's just tell me about how the disabled community may or may not have been included in other bills and recent political activities.
1: Well, I mean, this is in my area of expertise. I mean, this is something that I would have you know, kicked over to Alice Wong or to um, my friend Rebecca, whose last name I'm blanking on, or Elle, um, Aaron Gilmer, another friend of mine who works in this area, or Don Gibson, another friend of mine who understands this area better. But I have noticed that um, during the election, when the Democrats were... Um, when the presidential Democrat, Democratic candidates were being vetted, I noticed that, um, uh, what is it, Joaquin Castro had a very detailed plan for people with disabilities. And then that plan was also reviewed as fewer candidates were left. Um, Vice President Harris had had a had a plan. Well I don't know if they joined forces but they had they had a plan that was similar that uh valisa thompson worked on another friend of mine who's a who's a um disability activist and a social worker and by the time it got to be part of the Biden administration it wasn't as comprehensive as it started out but we're definitely being more included and then if you look at Today, there are so many people in areas where pe- there was disability representation, definitely, and then there were, there is more disability, uh, vis- not just visible, but also being um, folded into the planning of um, going forward in the different laws and bills that are coming up. I can't name the bills specifically off the top of my head, but I'm seeing us being more included in the plans and it being taken seriously. Usually, we're generally not not in the stimulus bill, for example. We're expected to, a lot of people who are disabled did not get stimulus at all. I did, but then I had a small business, so I was considered self-employed. Um, and other people who are considered self-employed got them, but people who are uh, on SSI or um, any kind of social security program were not getting the extra money. And um, in the ACA, when it was being, when there was a plot to destroy it, were not included there. Uh, we're constantly being left behind. People die every month trying to get into the social security program. It's uh, it's a struggle. Then like we talked about with the um, American Disabilities Act, there's no force out there that has people, that that there's nobody out there enforcing those laws. In fact, there's a clause that says, if a business is uh, put under undue hardship to correct their accessibility of their um, establishment, that they don't have to do it. So anybody who could just say, oh, it's just too hard, and then they don't have to be accessible. Mm -hmm. So I just hope that in the future that the things that are being thought of and the things that are being promised to us will continue on, because I just don't have as much faith as I did before, because I mean, we were going to get one amount forgiven for us to be debt, and now we're not. And then there was going to be a certain amount for continued stimulus, and now it's less. So, if those general promises are already being broken, you know, by the time they get down to disabled people, which is going to be after a whole bunch of other people, I don't know what we're actually going to get. The things that are due to us, when everything else is gone, but you never know. We actually have some people from our community involved in creating the policy, so
0: that yeah. gotcha. Yeah, I truly hope, and I say this with like all of my heart, that you all are included, that you get what you need, and that the policymakers create with you all in mind. Because that's I think that's the thing they don't even create sometimes with right. disabled people in mind. So. For sure and i'm also glad that you brought up social security people don't understand how hard it is for disabled people to get social security like my dad is like nervous and on pin needles and just had to go through so much to qualify you know so
1: i'm glad that you brought that up as well and so, there's so little money like the most you yeah. can get is 1200 a month and then you basically have to take a, a vow of poverty and say that from now on, whatever additional assets I get will never be over $2,000. You know, so I'm never going to accumulate wealth for the rest of my life because, you know, something happened to my leg. Like that's ludicrous. It really is.
0: Yeah. And then when you think about that amount and then you place it in the context of, okay, apartments, they require people to make three times the monthly amount you know, a rent to live in a space. Mm-hmm. So just again that disenfranchisement is just it's so pervasive. Yeah. So pervasive. So next topic racism and the disability space.
1: Yeah, and um but it's a difficult topic and it's it's but it's also near and dear to my heart because you kind of think when you're you know, being disabled, especially if you come into the space, I participated in something um, that a lot of disabled people go through called masking, which is even if you're born disabled, if you have a disability that's not apparent to the eye, you can kind of cover it up or not show in public what your disability is. And the advantages are, of course, easier for you to get a job it's easier for you to blend in with society you know you don't have to worry about whether you're going to get accommodations you just provide them for yourself those kinds of things but it just got harder and harder for me to keep up because of course you know i have problems with my back i have problems with my leg i have nerves so over time i couldn't mask anymore so i had a conversation with my sister and we talked about you know how I'm actually disabled. She was a social worker. Well, she still is a social worker. She's like, if you go by the actual definition of disability, you are disabled. And over time, I began to accept it. So I started to try to find, you know, who are my people who have invisible disabilities? And I was so happy when I found them. Of course, Of course, when I got there, after a while, I also found the racism. And it's just so fascinating because you find people who, for example, in the autistic community, I'm like borderline autistic, which surprises people because we only have one picture of autism, which is, you know, the little white, usually male child on TV who throws a bunch of tantrums and is generally just difficult child who in the black community would probably got his fair share of it, you know. But um, it's a broad spectrum. So I was kind of able to like mimic people when I didn't know what the kind of social cues were. And so I would discuss that with other people online, not necessarily revealing everything because I was borderline. I didn't know if it was acceptable. And then there were things that they didn't understand because they're from a different culture than I am. So I started to talk to other Black autistic people. And I met someone, Kayla Cook. She was forming Black autistic community. They gave her such a ridiculously hard time. And the only thing she wanted to do is form communities for Black autistics and Black women autistic. And that, it just didn't seem like they could grasp the, the, the logic that she's forming these groups for the same reason that we form groups for autistic people. It's a different culture. So this is a different subculture and they have different problems that they need to address together that you would not know the answer to. That's it. It's not a discrimination thing. They just, you know, they attacked her all the time, blew up the handle. So, you know, we tried all kinds of different solutions, you know, tried a couple coming to Jesus. Well, she did. Some of them did. I kind of just walked away from it and just talk to people one-on-one as, as, as I could. But when George Floyd died, and we had that moment where as a nation, people started to take off the blinders and see that racism is this pervasive, institutional, systemic thing that doesn't just happen, you know, in the corners of the world that isn't just Klansmen with hoods that is a real you know, issue and it's not, it ranges from microaggressions all the way to the violence. When people start to see that range, i created a hashtag called disabled black talk where people could go to talk about the fact that we were often rejected from our own communities. And some of us from communities, even that we created because of having uh just because we were a different race, it happens to Latino disabled people, Asian um, disabled people, Black, Latino, uh, Black um, disabled people. It's just, you know, prevalent. And I can't speak for all Black people, but I do know that most of us are frustrated and that there's a lot of work the disability community has to do. We can't do it for them. They're going to have to step up. We're constantly talked over, of course, the size or chastised for cultural things. Uh, They get upset that we do certain things, not realizing that it's a cultural aspect there that they're not not recognizing. I remember there was this big, just a few weeks ago, there was this big, um, um, I'm hesitating to bring it up, but I'm going to because a deaf friend is the one that sent it to me. There's this guy on TV who was interpreting, he was interpreting what people were saying in um, American sign language. And um, there was a woman who recorded herself kind of like appreciating his physique and not just his physique, but how sharp he is. And then also the black deaf representation. And the way she did it was kind of like just all in one sound and like if i could mimic the sound i can't really but if i sent you the video you would know what i meant it's like that appreciation sound like if i hear another black woman make that sound i know that's not just like sexualizing you know what i mean i know that that's appreciation but of course white disabled twitter turned into another thing and so after I had put up the tweet about, I love us, here we turn. we had a horrible day, but we turned, we managed to find this one thing to make this day better. And, you know, a couple of, you know, people jumped down my throat and then I had, you know, some of my black deaf friends, you know, insisting that, why don't I, you know, why are the, these other, you know, deaf people? You know, it was just got. I caught. It, I was starting to get caught in the middle of the thing, so I just took it down, and it was just so uncomfortable because I'm not in the deaf community. I'm hard of hearing, and some. And I was meeting people who are deaf and they were helping me and teaching me things, but I'm not a part of that community at all. So it was just, it it was just weird. And then the fact that it was sent to me by somebody in the community, which made me think it was okay. And then it's just, everything gets handled in this roundabout way. And all of these cultural aspects are constantly mixed. And then if we bring them up, it's said that we're just making stuff up to make it okay because we're Black. It's just this whole big mess that happens behind the scenes and in the corner. And then, you know, it's just, and then there's the internalized racism racism as well. You know, people thinking, you know, just pray on it, just take it to Jesus and you're going to be able to walk again. Would you say that to somebody who has a broken leg? You know how you sound. So (laughs) it's just a mixture of of things that they, you know, we need our own space and we need people to let us have that space. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And just thinking again of inv- invisible disabilities, like with people with mental health, like they always mm-hmm. say, just pray on it. Like talk to your pastor, talk to your preacher. Like that's not always going to fix things. Like have let people have their space, let people feel right. how
1: they feel. So no. And what if God's answer to my prayer was the medicine that was invented? Exactly. Or the therapist that it. Like nobody knows like whether or not The answer was put out that the things that are available to me, maybe they are the answer to the prayer. You don't know, so how can you put down whatever solution that somebody finds that gives them peace, as long as they're not harming anyone else? Exactly. there's, There's just such shame in our community, you know. But I think maybe that traces back to slavery. You know, maybe there was the issue of people not wanting to have to cover for other people who weren't, you know, pulling their weight in the in the fields or in the house. Maybe that have something to do with it. And maybe some people would pretend to be sick so they wouldn't have to do work. Or maybe, you know, they thought that people were pretending to be sick, which is usually the case. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just something that my mom always said about things, like especially in relation to mm-hmm. mental health. Like you never know, like God put all these people on earth, like the doctors, the therapists, all of that for a reason. So, you know, when they always say like, go back to God, like, yeah. But you could also go to therapy too. You could also like do these different things. So I'm just glad that we're having this discussion.
1: Go ahead. Now I was just going to direct you. I just, can you imagine if every time your car broke down, you prayed? There's a mechanic right there, but you're praying like maybe your prayers already answered code to the mechanic so I, I don't know it, it's just strange how it's that one area where the people just do not want to face
0: mm-hmm. and I guess it's because they can't face it it's not something tangible for them so they're right. just like you know gotta pretend it's not there they're gonna just you know I don't know but I think it's because it isn't no, that's a good point. Them. yeah so for sure so let's, we're talking about communities. So I want to shift gears and talk about intra community support in relation to the Black community. How is it? If it's not in good standing, how can we do better? How can we help and support?
1: Well, I mean, we already started getting into it a little bit because mm-hmm. it's just that thing that you were just talking about of, you know, people wanted to say, if you have some kind of mental illness or depression, take it to Jesus one thing that people could do better is to find out what is what is a better way to address people when they come to you with things like that what are other ways that we could what other things that we can recommend can we take people to therapy or group therapy or buy them books or or help them get medication or or help them learn meditation or even if there's even if there's you know n- uh, naturopathic ways that we want to help handle it, can we help them direct them to those things before we jump to the, you know, take it to Jesus area, or the the let's ignore it area, or not dealing with it at all kind of thing. We're And and we also look at the, the political movements that are going on. We're told that holding space for Black disabled people will draw attention, to disability in, as if there's a way, as if that drawing attention to disability draws attention away from the larger black uh, issues. But and, and we have been told this, and many of us in person, whenever we say we should bring up this thing about black disability, when racism and ableism and disability, all these things are so tightly wound together Forty to fifty percent of the people killed in interactions with the police in police brutality are disabled, and so there's half of these people where maybe we have some kind of chance to help, even if it's just for those calls to go to someone else. And it's uh, it, it, it's 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 frustrating that we're not trying to do something about it from that angle when it seems like it would be one of the quickest ways to bring the number down. And of course, you want the number to go all the way down to zero, but if we can get it down to 25% really quickly, I think we would wanna do that. Um, And then there's other other issues that, makes it feel like we're we're just holding back um help from each other because just like black people have to learn so many things just to function in the world so do disabled people and just imagine if black disabled people were sharing that knowledge with black people who weren't disabled like what could we do together what could we build together i think that It's, it's interesting because we, we have the highest incident of disability in our, in our groups and it's at 25%. So one in four of us has um, some kind of disability to, I believe it's 17, 17% for white people. So on top of that. We also tend to We also, of course, care for our people. You know, almost everybody has some family member, you know, an aunt or cousin who, you know, we refer to them as sickly or maybe they're elderly, where we all kind of chip in or the, sorry about that. (laughs) Or the wealthy person in the family will take the responsibility, for, or the wealthiest if they're not necessarily wealthy. We'll take responsibility for that person and paying their bills and making sure they're okay or making sure they're getting to the doctor and things like that. So we can care for the one disabled people person that we know or who is in our family, but we don't tend to also vote for their interests, educate ourselves on what their um, issues are, make sure that we're calling out and eliminating ableism when we see it. It's like we can care for a disabled person, but not the disabled people. And we also tend to think of disability as a white thing for some reason, which I found I found extremely odd since we have more disabled people. It, it, it's a strange, it's just, it's, it's a really bizarre dynamic, but of course all facilitated by racism. And if you go back far enough, it becomes clear why that is hmm and I, I think it's good. something we can remember. I'm sorry go ahead
0: no you're good I was just gonna say like I feel like it goes back to again like you were saying slavery and just racism and I think anything that is seen as weak we kind of yeah. push away to the side because this community wants to be seen as so strong all the time so anything and I that's feel seen- like it's
1: dangerous not to be strong like it we're gonna is- die like it's okay. left over from that time that when we would actually yes die if we weren't strong yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure and you can go ahead with what you were going to say oh
1: no that was pretty much it mm-hmm. pretty much
0: it. gotcha so i just want to thank you for that and before we go just tell the audience more about you and your overall work including that as a writer i just want them to get a full sense of you as a whole okay
2: well
1: More about me, I uh, have several, I'm not going to list them all, disabilities, but the main ones you'll hear me talking about are fibromyalgia, my back problems, the fact that I am in pain 100% of the time, and that I have a chronic cancer, is sometimes dormant, it's sometimes active, it is dormant right now. I founded an organization called Everywhere Accessible, and it's made up of a bunch of smaller projects where we're trying to use community support and crowdsourcing to solve some of the problems that we feel like the government is probably the one who should be solving, but why wait on them if we can provide ourselves with help right now? Originally, it was, you know, people, we want to go to conferences or, uh get captions for protests or something like that. And it grew into d- different projects, like when there wasn't any information about what to do about your rent uh, before the evicting, um moratoriums for COVID. Mm-hmm. We had a um, project called I Need Rent Relief where we would just scour GoFundMe and Twitter and different parts of the internet looking for people who needed help with their rent and bringing together communities of people who could help with that. Kind of like that one big project that was being done on GoFundMe but from a multiple parts of the internet. We also had, um, before Christmas, we did a project where we gathered people who were black or disabled or LGBTQIA and who made handmade things or had, you know, doing freelance projects, anything that they, anybody who had, who was doing something that could be presented as a Christmas gift. We gathered, I think, two, 200 of them and put them into a group and just promoted them over and over again during the month of December to try to get them some extra revenue. And... Um, then we we're still boosting people who are you know short of cash so if you are ever by my, if you ever if, when we find out that people are stuck i tell them to come to you. my intro thread that's into the top of my um my thing you know twitter profile to read all the, the 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 instructions and we'll try to help you get more visibility to to whatever it is you're trying to raise money for. You can use some, for some people it's just dinner, for some people it's rent. I also recommend getting in contact with an organization called Modest Needs. They help people from falling from like, I'm just kind of broke into actual poverty. So, and I would also say if you, my biggest project, the one that I'm actually known for is, um, I have a PDF guide to how to use Twitter to um I kind of mapped out the disabled world in hashtags. It's in this 45 page document and it's doubled in size. Actually, it's probably going to be closer to 90 pages once I finish this last update. Um, It's pay what you like. I have a free version of it online that's in that intro thread. And then there's, you know, researchers and doctors come through and pay for like, you know, pay fifty hundred dollars so that 10 to 20 people can enjoy you know can enjoy copies of the, of, of the publication so if you want to sponsor some copies for other people or if you want a copy for yourself um the instructions are inside the little booklet i give it to people and then they pay after they get it and so far for some reason that's working out pretty well um, as far as writing, I write a lot for the Global Health L- Living Foundation. Um, there's a link to my Kofi on my um, on my profile. So if anybody ever wants to ever wants me to write for them, you can just um, you can contact me through there. It's my Kofi is write, so it's slash write. I write all kinds of stuff from marketing and self not self-help, but self-actualization, all the way to disability rights and justice. So my main thrust in life is writing. That's the number one thing that I've always been writing about. So you can also find me writing threads on Twitter, almost every day. I write all the time. (laughs) If I'm not writing, I'm not breathing or I'm asleep.
0: got you. Awesome. Well, I just want to take a moment and thank you for appearing on the show today. I feel like this is a great conversation and very educational. So thank you so much for making time.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always my pleasure.
0: No worries. All right, y'all stay tuned. Don't go anywhere as there's more in store after this break. that the world is more than just you. This is why I do this show. I do it with the outer external purpose. I want to help others in any way. And our next guest operates the same way. Christine, welcome to the
2: show. Hi, Kay. Thank hey. you so much for having me.
0: You are so welcome. So just take a moment and tell the audience a little bit about you.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I am a queer and non-binary immigrant from the Philippines. I am live- a Moved to the U.S. 10 years ago, and I spent most of my career in talent acquisition as a recruiter and a business uh, business strategist for companies, and then transitioned to become a transformation coach and consultant, um, and, now found, and then founded to Conscious Thrive, LLC.
0: Awesome. And just speaking of Conscious Thrive, just tell the audience about what it is and the inspiration behind it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um so Conscious Drive is a coaching and consulting um, company that help BIPOC and LGBTQ+ people to live aligned with who they are and create impact on their own terms. Um so I work with the coaching side of it. I work with um with clients one on one um, through my signature program and get them to uncover what it is that's stopping them from really living a full life Um, and my consulting is working with corporate businesses to uh, bring for transformation and by bringing it at the center of it. Um, So I created this business out of my own journey um, i found myself i found myself in a position where i was successful i was making good me i had the accolade i had the title all that stuff but still found myself unhappy and unfulfilled and the question that i is this all my life going to be myself? (laughs) I went through my own transformation journey and I realized that actually the success or my success was not defined by me. And through my, my, my journey, I was able to really, you know, peel the layers of identities that were not mine. And now started living my life on my own terms and I wanted that not only for me I wanted that for my community too so that's really the inspiration around um the work that I do. Gotcha
0: thank you so one thing I've learned is that you have to show up for yourself and put in the work it can't be one-sided so what kind of place or state that someone needs to be in to transform their life
2: come to me or pretend to me, the next chapter of their lives, but they don't know what to do. Um, They have been successful and all that stuff, but still find themselves like there's lacking. There's something here that I need to do. There's something bigger that I want from life. Um, So they're in, in that inquiry, stage and yeah that's pretty much what where my clients are at and always always ask or look for um look for within within that space is are they ready because we have a lot of pain, right? We can feel so much discomfort and pain from where we are, but the willingness and the readiness might not be there. So, yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. And so
0: how do you help clients get out of their own way? Sometimes we can be our own enemy or our own obstacle.
2: Well, usually you know when I, when we're when we have those blocks our brain is overwhelmed uh, and we, whenever we are resisting and block it's just hard it, it's hard to be confronted with the, with the thoughts and emotions um that came up with the, the, that that specific um idea it could be a specific idea it could be a specific task, it can be a specific thing that we absolutely want. And, you know, what I ask my client um, is to sit with the discomfort for a minute. So they can acknowledge the discomfort or the emotion fully, and that's also acknowledging themselves. And then from there, right, I, we go through a series of questioning so my clients can get some clarity. And that release of energy and, and you know acknowledging acknowledging the emotions will release the energy that's holding us back. And we're now able to come into a space where we can uncover um, the 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 thing underneath and the meaning of these things. So you can have the clarity. And when we're, we have clarity, we become unstoppable, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much what I make sure I do with my clients to acknowledge the emotion in the moment. And through a series of questioning, of self-inquiry, you know, get the clarity that they need so they can move forward.
0: Understood. And how do you help someone figure out their true path?
2: Well, that's interesting, because (laughs) um, figuring it out is not really, it's not something that we we have to do. It's like, it's not figuring out, it's more of unearthing. Um, Because the answers are already within us. The answers are within us. So it's unearthing the meaning, because uh, I think it has a sig- um, a more significant, it has sig- more significance in the process than um, just knowing the what. Right? It weighs more than the what. Gotcha.
0: So what would you say are the keys to confidence?
2: Yeah, confidence. <laughs> it's funny because confidence, um, people think about confidence is this big idea. It's something to get to instead of a come from, right? Um, so I say the keys to confidence is having a full and deep knowing of who we are and honoring that and honoring who we are and that includes really you know um saying yes to what we want to saying yes to how we define things and in all areas of our life and the last one is being purposeful so I think these three important things to have um, would a- absolutely propel us to just show up true to who we are. And that's what confidence is. Gotcha. It's yeah, and, and it's focus more in expression than impression, right? Cuz when we know who we are and we are committed to honoring who we are, we want to express that. And we want people to experience us as that. Um, and, that and also like having that intention um, around things that we do, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And how do you help develop a specific framework for your clients to help them move from the initial idea or goal all the way to achievement? I would just love to hear more about your process.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, usually clients come to me with a specific goal in mind already, right? But through the process that I have them go through, um, they sometimes actually release that goal. <laughs> they they they'd realize that the goal is no longer um aligned so the my framework is definitely you know the first phase of my process is to release the outdated our outdated identities and then from there create the self and then aligning the outside from the inside and unpacking the the goal, what does that what does that look like? Having the um, the clarity, the meaning, right? It's and and what are the steps that we need to take? And guiding them through through that um, uh, self inquiry and self discovery. Gotcha,
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, just walk me through a success story where you helped improve relationships.
2: Sure. Well, I think all my clients have improved relationships um, within our engagement because that's um, a huge part of what we go through. Um, Our relationships are core to who we are and how we show up For ourselves, can be transferred to how we show up for others. So, I I think one of my clients actually um, had this. How do I describe it? Her relationship with her husband um, was almost non-existent they were just in 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 the marriage for company so the quality was not there and um as we go through the whole process we talked we talked about some of the ways in which she um defined or has defined relationships and identifying what are um, hers, for sure, and what were um, what were the definition by how was it defined by other people, and through creating the self, she was really able to um, to create the who am I, and who do I get to be in the relationship that I chose. And she just started showing up very differently. (laughs) She also, you know, it's like, because when we show up um, differently in our relationships, the people that we are in relationship with dance with us very differently because it's, I I think it's always a dance, right? (laughs) Um, So, after our engagement, I asked her, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about where you are now? Um, and she, she said, you know, when I met you, my relationship with my husband was zero, really. But now I'm able to really hold space for who he is and support him and and, have that deeper connection with him. Um so it, it's still a work in progress, you know, we're all we're always a work in progress, but just be just for her to be able to create those results with her husband um and really feel um and get the evidence that he can have she can have or they can have a quality relationship was fundamental.
0: Absolutely. So just walk me through another success story, but this time where you help someone live more freely.
2: Sure. I think because because of the whole process of defining it for yourself, my clients definitely live more freely. But one thing that struck the most was my client who was struggling to come out to her family. Um, she, um, she's Greek <laughs> and cultural, definitely the cultural um, influence had her feel so conformed in the idea that he she's never she's never going to be accepted um if she comes out and all at the same time she was also you know trying to get um to a um she was she was she was trying to get a promotion right so we went through the whole process like of (laughs) creating the self, the unearthing and releasing outdated identities and really honoring, honoring who she is, that she finally had the courage to tell her family. And when she got that, right? like that release, that freedom, that personal freedom, because she has given herself permission to show up true to who she is, she she was able to get that promotion at a department um that she absolutely loved. And that's freedom. That's leaving living living really free because you've allowed yourself or you've given yourself permission um to, to create this for yourself. And you and, and those are the things that are so important what this work requires. Like what transformation really requires is um, permission, you know, vulnerability, being able to be vulnerable with yourself allows you to also be vulnerable with me. So you can also be vulnerable with other people. Um, and the commitment, um, your commitment to honoring your, your your all, like everything about you. All right.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of this segment. But before you go, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with?
2: Yeah, um, I've been talking about honoring life. but <laughs> I think um, it's so important for me to say that our, our most important responsibility is to honor life, to honor the life in us so we can honor the life in other people and the life in this world
0: awesome thank you so much for appearing on the show and just sharing so many words of wisdom with us
2: of course thank you so much for having me Kay. appreciate your platform and the work that you're doing to um to elevate our consciousness and living a life full and fully Absolutely. Thank you
0: so much. All right, everybody stay tuned as there's a little bit more in store after this break. On yourself, But I did want to speak to yourself and honoring yourself and just some things that will help you along the way before we go. So with that being said, I want to share some Twitter gems. So the first one that I want to share with you basically says, while y'all love screaming about protecting your peace in regards to cutting folks off and removing people, You really got to protect you from yourself most times. You can't protect your peace if you have no self-control. Can't protect your peace if you have no clue who you are because you have to be with someone else to feel whole. Can't protect your peace if all you think about is where you want to be instead of where you are right now. So I just encourage y'all to think about that. I just found that an interesting tweet. Um, Additional Twitter gems that I wanted to share with you all is love yourself and your love language too. And I think that's really important. I don't think that we really take the time to not only love ourselves, but love ourselves properly. You know, like we need to be showing ourselves the same energy that we show others. Another Twitter gem. Remember, there is a rush on your life. Any pace is fine as long as you're moving forward. And the last one, stop shrinking to fit yourself in places you've outgrown. All important Twitter gems. And I also just wanted to share some things that are really on the top of my mind right now in terms of like lessons that I've learned or just things of that nature. So the first I wanted to share is listen to yourself, listen to your gut, listen to those random passing thoughts. And I realized that through watching and observing my body. So my body will move in a direction on its own to pop, you know, a bone or joint that's needed to be popped to stretch what's needed to do whatever it needs to make itself aka me feel better and so with that I just learned the body and the mind be knowing on deeper levels so just listen just listen and speaking of that I've learned to shut up and just let others do the talking as you've seen with this episode I'm not the master of everything sometimes you just need to listen and we forget how valuable that is because we live in a world that makes it so easy for us to talk and share our thoughts all the time. Sometimes, just be that person who listens and not talk. See how much that shifts you. Another thing, stillness is important. Sometimes you need to just be. I would encourage you to set a timer for three minutes where you're still, eyes closed, not doing a thing besides just being. Do this multiple days and watch how that shifts you as well. Another thing, it's important to set boundaries in every area of your life, not just with friends and partners and family, but also even at work. And then wellness. Enough said. In the last year, I've been focused on making lifestyle changes to benefit my health and moving my body more. And I feel that in this time right now, it aka health is so precious and we just need to do the work to keep ourselves on the right track. So wellness should be a priority. Show up for yourself, another priority. Do the work needed to do, I'm sorry, do the work needed in every area of your life to honor yourself. That means going to therapy and carrying the lessons learned outside of the session and incorporating them into your life. That means saying no. That means distancing yourself from those who don't respect your boundaries. It means having a voice that you use. It just means so many different things. I ask you to think about what showing up for yourself means for you. And two other things, love yourself. Love yourself through the hard times, through the mistakes, the missteps, the lows, the downs. Just never stop. And turn inward and just focus on yourself and honoring yourself. That's the biggest thing. You have to figure out what that means as well to you, honoring yourself. Think about what that means. And just remember, and that's another reason I named this episode, Can I Hold the Mic? Solange was right when she said that we are just too many, you know, lines, too many curves. We can't be a singular manifestation. I mean, God isn't a singular manifestation. We're all made in, you know, its image, the spirit's image. And so therefore we are dynamic individuals with so many lines and so many curves and so many parts of our beings. And we're not meant to fit into a singular box, a singular definition. Like there's just so much of us and there's so much to explore and, you know, just turn inward and figure out you because I don't think a lot of us actually have ourselves figured out, you know? hope that makes sense. Anyways, there's going to be a song after this, so stay tuned. Other than that, please expect more episodes. There's going to be a part two and a part three drop for this season. Other than that, grow, glow, no. Thank you all so much for listening. We're celebrating 10,000 listens. Again, super excited about that. And yeah, see you soon. Famed, depressed, depressed, no rest, the pain ain't left Love, the lies, tears, the cries, dormant, the blind, sold, the died Now I'm gonna move over, no more battle on my shoulders Only getting older, keeping it real, ain't living by you, I told you Got a purpose, if you want it, then work it like some people get it hard, that just don't deserve it Then they leave you picking up the pieces of certain Whether or not heartbreak can be a burden Nowadays nobody wanna front in person Trust you, the begins absolutely Burning, we to be turning. I got the higher to and Trying to handle it in my shoes. Take a gamble, kid, and go lose. Got this money stacking up, playing, lacking, broke, Scandal when to make moves. Still a fire, in the booth, in the broom. Always in the truth. Keeping it real, I got nothing to prove. How are you managing, bagging and views? Scavenging fool, laughing and cool. This chick's gotta match your fuse. Wasn't given no silver spoon, no cheap book hanging, got no rules. Don't try and take me to school.
2: Life's my teacher, kids, my fuel. Trust yourself, no one to back you. This chick right here's got nothing to lose.